Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden and a Happy New Year. I know I wished you all a Happy New Year last week, but technically it wasn't the New Year yet. So I hope that everyone had a great uh, weekend last weekend, getting ready for new things. If your family is like mine, you've got to be sure to eat your collard greens and your black-eyed peas. And of course, those are two things you can grow in your garden. I guess it's an old Southern tradition. As a kid, I never really enjoyed it, but I tell you what, that is some good eating now. <laughs> I guess you, your taste buds change, and maybe the things you once didn't appreciate, you can. And I do appreciate collard greens and black-eyed peas. Probably, actually, probably like the collard greens better than the black-eyed peas. And so, of course, think about the history there. I don't really know all the history. It's supposed to bring, you know, money and coins and good luck or whatever. But those are two things around the turn of the year that could have been available to our ancestors. Maybe they were growing their black-eyed peas in the summer. They stored them as a dry bean. Of course, they've got to save a handful to sow the next year. But going into the new year, they'd have these dry beans. And, of course, collard greens were probably harvested fresh. Because here in the South, we can grow collard greens pretty much all winter long. Like the uh, single-digit temperatures we had <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, that could very well have been a time to cover them with some plastic, uh, row cover we call it, just to keep them a little warmer. But they're a cool season crop. And today, to start off the new year, we're going to talk about another cool season plant that I've known about it for a long time. I've loved pictures of it, but I've never grown them myself. So this year, for the first year, I guess as a kid, I probably bought a couple of these bulbs and grew them out, but uh, was not successful. So this year, I'm going to try to grow them. So something new for me. And if you don't have this plant, I think it might be something to consider. We're going to talk about ornamental onions. <laughs> hey, they are definitely ornamental onions. When I received these bulbs, it smelled like an onion farm. And they do have that onion odor. But there's many benefits why we would do this. Now, some folks will call these alliums. Now, that's the, the genus from the botanical technical side. That's the genus that these ornamental onions and all onions fall into is allium. So a lot of times you'll hear them as alliums, garden alliums, ornamental alliums, ornamental onions. There's a lot of names that come with them because the word onion is not too attractive. I tend to call them alliums. And, you know, that's where this is where the vegetable gardeners and the ornamental gardeners sort of meet. It's a plant uh, that is common in both the veggie patch and also um, flower gardens borders, 
perennial borders because alliums, these onions, they are perennial. They come back year after year. They do require certain situations, particularly with their soil we're going to talk about. Uh, but if you give them a great space to live, a great space to grow, they will flourish for you. And when alliums are blooming, this is why we grow them, folks, because they are gorgeous. They are beautiful. Uh, so, of course, the, the part of the plant below the ground is a bulb. It looks like a small onion. And in many cases, many different cultivars and species of these alliums, they smell like an onion. <laughs> so you got to get past that a bit. But really, you don't smell the onioniness unless you're rubbing the stem or the leaves or whatnot. So regardless, it is like our ornamental, uh, I mean, our edible onions that we set out as little bulbs. And of course, they grow and mature. Uh, but the flower, the flower of these onions, the, there's a variety, there's a range. But let's say the classic flower of these alliums, they are going to be globes, almost perfect globes in some cases. Well, I should say perfect globes in many cases. In other cases, there are some alliums that their flowers sort of hang down and nod over. But I would say the beauty of the alliums, no matter the shape of their flower, is that they all pretty much rise on a tall stalk. So the stalk comes up out of the center of the bulb when it's blooming, and the flower buds form on the top of this naked stem. And in many cases, the foliage of the plant dies back or is turning yellow before the flower blooms. So you sort of have this lollipop protruding, shooting towards the heavens, just protruding above the ground. And there's not many plants, there's not many plants that have these perfectly round, and in most cases with the alliums, there's some varieties that have very large blossoms, some of them four to six inches in diameter. So let me describe the flower a little more detail here. When I say globe, the globe is formed by a collection of individual flowers. They're sort of trumpet-like. Uh, they sort of flare out at the tip, but they have a, a narrow kind of tubular uh, throat on the flower. And so when they collect themselves, the end of this tube looks like a star. So you've got sort of these stars arranged in this perfect, it's not cylinder, but sphere, a globe. And so when we say that these plants have a globe flower, what we're talking about is that there's a collection of flowers that are positioned in such a way around the top of the stem, the, flo the blooming stalk, that appears to be a globe. Many of these are long-lived, and some varieties bloom uh, before others. Some varieties bloom after others. So if you start to do some research into this group of ornamental onions or alliums, you will find that you can have almost an entire growing season of ornamental onions. And it sort of uh, can be sort of become a game or a, a novelty in a way for people who, uh, when they see alliums blooming, if you have visitors, family, friends that come over when allium is blooming, they will definitely inquire about it. And they will say, that is probably one of the most unusual and beautiful flowers I've ever seen. What is it? And you can say, it's an onion. <laughs> it's an onion. Um, they work very well in the perennial border, and of course, maybe mixed in with um, 
say cut back shrubs or blooming shrubs, shrubs that you may trim back and encourage them to bloom like hydrangeas, um, uh, wygelia, things like that. So they really are versatile and, and work in a variety of situations. They can be planted amongst themselves. So you could have an entire allium garden. And again, if you stage them right and you have that succession of flowering, you get different varieties of alliums in that space. It could be a long-lived and enduring photo for all season because some of them start um, early in the spring and some of them will bloom late in the summer. You just got to do the research and make sure you're pulling in uh, the right varieties for that succession. But otherwise, if you stick with just a few alliums, they work well in between other perennials. And because these shaped, uh, the, the flower shape is so globe, so globe-like, that it contrasts well with other shapes of flower spikes. So think about the salvias. This is the one that I love to work with. Salvias with alliums. This is how I'm going to have it. Really, it's going to be maybe some lavender and, um, and alliums. But the, 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 the lavender, rosemary, um, salvias, the speedwells or veronicas, all of those perennials they have a flower spike. And it, so their flowers are, are little and they're clustered together along a very tall and thin spear-like shape. And so mixing the shapes of your flowers can provide just as much interest and variety as mixing, say, color wood. So, of course, if we have purple flowers, we usually want to contrast those with yellows and oranges and whatnot. But despite the colors of your flowers, think about the shapes of your flowers. And the alliums are so unique and unusual in the fact that they're a globe that they can work well with existing perennials uh, of different flower forms. So the alliums, they're just a strange group of plants, but they're very beautiful. They're very beautiful and they're, they're, they're unusual. Now, the interesting thing about alliums is that the group itself, there are probably over 500 species. I've already mentioned onions like edible onions that you and I would grow to eat. Uh, garlic, of course, is in the same family. And chives. Chives are in the same family. Now, there are some chives that uh, are being grown because of ornamental characteristics, just like the onions. And so, uh, with that in mind, this is sort of a, just a weird group of plants because it's one of the few groups of plants where they're pretty, but we also eat their relatives, you know? <laughs> so, you will see onions in the marketplace. That's not ever a concern. But to find alliums in a garden in the South is kind of unusual. And there probably is a good reason for that because... Alliums being a bulb, like other bulbs, these are essentially onions, folks, they do not like to be wet. And the problem in the South is that our soils are uh, very, very high clay materials. And clay, even though it has its benefits, it does have its downfalls. So clay is good because it holds on to water. Clay is bad because it can hold on to too much water. Clay is good because it holds on to nutrition, where sandy soils barely hold on to nutrition. But the idea 
the idea of growing alliums in our clay soils is to soften the soil, first of all. So we would dig very well. We would chop the soil before we plant them. We would also like to break up the clay. Since these are perennials, it's a 100% appropriate to mix in organic matter, compost, manures. You could probably even use a very coarse compost, something that is decomposed but has large particles. Maybe you've got a pile of mulch or maybe you had some tree work done and the tree company just piled up the, the wood chips somewhere on your property and it's been sitting there all summer or two years or three years. That is probably a great compost now to use around onions to make sure that we bust up some of the clay. We don't want it to be um, very um, compacted soil, that's for sure. We don't want the soil to hold on to a lot of excess water. Moist is fine. Moist but well-draining would be perfect. As a matter of fact, I think onion these alliums, I'm going to call them onions, I guess, but these alliums are good for us in the South because if we can get them in the right soil condition, it's okay if they dry out a little bit over summer. Now, in general, if you've grown edible onions before, you know that you start them in the cool season. They prefer to be in cooler temperatures, like the Vidalia onions, which of course are strictly grown in the surrounding counties of Vidalia, Georgia. Uh, because of that soil type, they're sweeter than most onions. But those onions, when I was working for the State Department of Agriculture, I would travel and, and visit farmers and take photos and videos and interviews, and it was really fun uh, to meet all these people. But the folks in Vidalia, they started uh, their, their crop in the cool season, and they harvested it before the, the heat came on, definitely before the um, onions bolted or flowered. But in our situation, we want these onions to bolt. We want the onions to produce a flower stalk. So we're going to plant alliums in the fall, they're going to be okay, they're going to be warm under the soil, and as a matter of fact, alliums are very cold hardy because they like the cool weather. Some alliums can grow as cold as zone 2, zone 2, but most all of them can be grown in zone 4 to maybe zone 8 and some into 9, so you do have to do some selecting when it comes to finding the most appropriate allium for your site. But we're going to talk about some of the most common alliums today. We're going to talk about how we continue to talk about how we plant them and, of course, what to expect from an allium. If we've never grown an allium, uh, I want to talk about its life cycle a bit so you know when it looks the best. And even though sometimes they look kind of bad, that they're doing okay. They'll be just fine. So hang on tight. We're going to talk about more ornamental onion information when we get back from this break. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about sort of a new plant to me. Not that I didn't know about this plant. I've always loved the idea of having them. I've just never grown them. But this year, I've planted the bulbs. We'll see what happens in the spring. It's sort of a stinky plant, a smelly plant. (laughs) Because we're talking about alliums, which are essentially onions. And so just like edible onions, these alliums carry some of those same characteristics that our edible onions, the ones we, maybe you buy them. I don't grow a lot of onions. I have in the past. Uh, They're related to garlic. They're related to chives, of course. They're all in the same group of plants called alliums. But some of them have been, oh, selected over hundreds of years, thousands of years by humans for great taste. Some have been bred for beautiful flowers. And it's the beautiful flowering ones, these ornamental onions, alliums, that we're talking about today. Um, We were talking before the break about the conditions that generally all the alliums are going to love. Not many of them are going to love to be in wet feet. So we've talked about the importance of when we're creating our allium spaces to bulk up your, if you have clay soil, any kind of existing soil really. It's never a bad idea to incorporate uh, organic matter, compost, maybe a coarse compost for even better drainage. But that, of course, um, is, is, is a rule really for perennials. And these onions, these alliums, golly, I don't want to call them onions because it makes them sound so sour, Uh, but the alliums, they are going to love to be well-drained. They don't want wet feet. As a matter of fact, they could handle a period of, of dry weather just fine. Because of that large bulb underground, it's got storage, nutrition in there, water, they can sort of suffer for a little bit without foliage if it does get really hot because the alliums do like cooler weather. And so we're going to basically treat these alliums um, like, I don't want to say short-lived, short-appearing perennial. So the plant will come back year after year, but its presence in the garden is maybe for just a few weeks. What is going to happen as these plants grow and develop. Let's talk about the life cycle first. So ideally you would plant your allium bulbs in the fall. Plant them in the fall just like you would your your tasty onions, your edible onions, and they're going to chill out underground. They're going to be growing in that warm soil underground, a strong root system, establishing their root system all winter long, and then they may start popping up when when the weather is more favorable, when it's cool but not too cold, and they're going to start putting out foliage. So in general, you've got foliage rising from the plant first, and then what happens is they start blooming. So some of them will bloom in the spring, some in summer, and there are some fall, later blooming alliums too that are probably not as well known or used in the garden, but they still could have a place. And in many cases, by the time some of these alliums start blooming, their foliage has either already turned yellow and basically fallen down to the ground, or they're in the process of turning yellow. So that puts on a couple of concerns. First of all, if you start to see your alliums in the heat of summer starting to turn yellow, starting to dry back, don't worry, that's their natural process. We've talked about this with like peonies too. Peonies love the cool weather, but they don't love the heat heat that we get in the summer. So 
That is one concern, right? But it's it's not a concern to be worried about. It's just going to be this aesthetic. It's The plant may look bad. So how do we correct that? Here's the next concern. When we're planting alliums, we probably rarely want to plant them by themselves. We want to incorporate other plants around them, in between them, that are going to hide and mask that yellowing of the leaves. Because if you can mask the yellowing of the leaves with something beautiful and green and lush, then what will happen is, after those leaves have started turning yellow, the flower spike starts pushing up through the soil, starts arising into the air, and it's pushing through other leaves and other stems of other plants, and then boom, you've got that beautiful globe flower rising above even the foliage of the plants that are masking the allium's ugly yellow foliage. So you do want to think about mixing in and incorporating other plants with your alliums. Uh, Again, we've already talked about the shape of allium, perfect globe, so it partners well with spears that go up into the air or flower spikes that go up into the air like lavenders and salvias and whatnot, veronicas. So with all that in mind, allium is probably most impressive as a grouping. I would probably never plant just one allium bulb alone. I would plant at least a group of three, bare minimum, three allium bulbs, three allium plants grouped together. But probably to get more impact, push that number to six and 12. So if you can get half a dozen to a dozen bulbs packed in an area and then repeat that somewhere else uh, further down or use another grouping of a different type of allium, you will probably have the most impressive allium display possible. A single allium bulb A single allium flower, I should say, is nice. It's pretty. But you don't get that full effect unless you have these multiple flower stalks rising up with those globes sitting on top of them. Now, let's talk a bit about the size of alliums. The size of alliums can vary. There are some alliums that stay very small, maybe just uh, as small as six inches tall. But then, folks, there are some alliums that might rise 36 to 48 to 60 inches tall, five feet. That, of course, is the gigantium allium, the giant allium. Uh, And there's some in between we're going to talk about. But the point is, is that with the alliums, you not only get a variety of flower styles, but you also get a variety of flower heights. So, With a flower spike at four feet to 60 inches tall, folks, that's almost like a small tree, you know, and they sort of look like these Dr. Seuss trees, if you will. If you remember um, some of the Dr. Seuss uh, videos and books, how you've got these real lollipop trees that kind of looks bizarre and alien-like, well, to me, this reminds me of those Dr. Seuss uh, trees. So you can almost have... Uh, this variety of globes way up high and way down low. And that can just create this beautiful display. Now let's talk about colors. Uh, Most of the time, alliums are going to be in the purples, lavender, lilac, uh, whites. There's some great whites. Don't forget about the white ones. I don't think I've listed any of those. But then there's also like the blue globe onion, the blue globe allium, Cer- ceruleum, which of course is going to be a good blue. 
Yeah, it might push purple, but it is actually pushing more of that deep, true blue, which is very hard to find, very hard to find in the plant world. So be sure to check out the blue globe onion. But then there are some pinks. A, a lot of the, the um, chives that we talked about, the ornamental chives, they have a great selection of pink blossoms. And then there's um, some later blooming alliums. I think they're sort of Japanese, uh, but they, they don't have those perfect round globes. They sort of dangle over a bit. The, the flowers themselves dangle over, and those are a great pink. So in general, the alliums are going to provide you with different shades of purple, maybe even true blues and whites and some pinks. Now there's one star of Persia that I purchased uh, this round. And the Star of Persia, we're going to talk about a few of those varieties after this break, but um, the Star of Persia, the one that I purchased, has both white and purple on each individual flower. So it's a globe, the globe flower, but individual flowers uh, are sort of white on the star, the trumpet end of the, of the uh, flower, and then pushing down the throat, you get a purple. So you get this transition from white to purple. And I think that that's going to work well with some of the other purples uh, that I have purchased and, and planted. And so that way we can start blending. I'm going to put these, or these alliums are going to be in between the lavender plants in my new lavender garden. And of course, I don't really have a lavender garden yet. It's in the process. But I knew that I could create these big swaths of alliums and then in between the alliums and, and the rows have lavender growing in between. We have the spikiness of the purple lavender and then, of course, different shades of purple with those globe flowers. It'll be kind of monochromatic. All the flowers will be the same color, but I think it'll work. Well, anyhow, after this break, we're going to talk more about these ornamental onions. Greenness unfolded Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, if you're just joining us today here on New Southern Garden, we've been talking about a strange group of plants that we actually grow to eat, and then others we will grow to enjoy their flowers. That's not too uncommon, but there's really just a small group of plants that we do that with. I think of some of the ornamental cabbages that you may have in your landscape now, some of the ornamental cabbages, ornamental kales, ornamental mustard, and then of course all of those greens also have cousins that we grow in the vegetable garden. Well, onions fall into that category as well. There are onions that are perfectly wonderful, delightful to grow in the vegetable garden, to harvest them and use them in the kitchen. But then there are some other wonderful onions that we don't normally eat, but we allow them to continue to grow year after year in the or ornamental garden, our ornamental spaces, where our perennials grow, where our shrubs grow. And so these alliums, we're going to, again, we're going to call them alliums because they are definitely something that uh, 
if you call them an onion, it just sort of gets an ugly name, I think. So for ornamental onions, these alliums give you these beautiful globe-shaped flowers on top of these tall, slender um, flowering stalks. So they can push up and rise up in between other plants. If you've already got a perennial border, you've got your perennials growing somewhere, you can work big groups of these in between other plants and they will have no problem. They will just do their own thing and push up through. The only major thing we want to make sure to remind you is that when we plant them, we don't want them in wet soil. We don't want them in heavy clay. We want to bust the clay up, make sure that wherever we plant our onions, our alliums, Oh, Mr. Producer, I'm getting all backwards on these names. But when we plant our alliums, uh, we want to make sure that that soil is, is lighter and drains freely. The other thing is don't be scared to put them in the sun. Onions, alliums, they want to grow in bright sun. So they need full sun for maximum bloom power. Here's the thing about alliums, as with other plants that are bulb-like plants, is that in order to do all of this flowering, they generally need to capture as much sunlight as they can uh, while their leaves are above the ground. Because many bulbs will put out leaves first to capture sunlight, start building nutrition, start building uh, sugars for the plant to grow and then use to bloom. And then they may bloom and those that foliage may retire pretty quickly or expire pretty quickly. So we want to make sure that when those leaves are above the ground, in the case with alliums, that they're in bright sun. If they are in bright sun, six to eight hours a day, they will be happy. And it's not just about a happiness for each blooming season. It's about a happiness for every blooming season to come. And so a healthy, strong allium bulb is going to be allowed to have its foliage attached as long as the plant needs it uh, or desires it to be. You know, we've talked about this before with like daffodils. After daffodils bloom, they sort of just look little weedy, you know, and then those leaves start laying on the ground and they just look ugly. Some people trim those back as soon as those leaves look bad, but we don't. We need, we don't need to do that. We need to keep our bulbous or bulb-like plants, we need to keep those leaves attached as long as we can. It is best when you're growing bulbs to allow the foliage to naturally turn yellow, naturally turn brown, and only remove those leaves when the foliage is brown and can easily be pulled away from the soil. That is a two-part deal there. First of all, allowing the plant to naturally uh, decay its leaves away, to drop its leaves, that natural process is moving any extra nutrition out of the leaves, moving it to the bulb, and allowing it to be stored for next year. So if you remove even the yellow leaves, there's a good bit of nutrition there that needs to be stored in the bulb. But once you remove it, that plant has no way of taking that excess nutrition and storing it. Now, the second thing um, that this allows is we don't want to pull the leaves out until they're completely brown. This is just a general bulb discussion, by the way. You can treat this for uh, daffodils and tulips or whatnot. But if we try to remove the foliage while it's still green, while it's still attached to the plant, that leaves a nasty wound. That, of course, with the bulb being underground, could stay wet, 
fungus, bacteria from the soil could get into the bulb and rot your bulb. But if you allow the plant to naturally slough off those leaves, there is this um, biological thing happening to the plant when leaves fall off. It is literally separating the leaf from the bulb or leaf from the stem or whatever plant we're talking about. Literally, the plant is creating a sort of scab underneath the base of the leaf. And when that leaf is completely scabbed over, if you will, it's completely separable from the bulb. If we try to do that too soon, we let, we leave the wound. And of course, that is a point of entry for any kind of disease, um, bacterial infection, uh, fungal infection. So those are just healthy tips for bulbs in general. We don't I don't talk a lot about bulbs because I don't grow many bulbs, but these alliums are just really something else, and I think it's something you may want to look into. If you're not, I know my descriptions are are, are pretty childish, probably. I, I can't really describe things very well like some folks can. So if you uh, have any questions about what these look like, just type in allium, flower, uh, uh, ornamental onion, whatever you want to do, and you will see the kind of flowers that you can get and the beautiful effects. So with all that being said, we want to just summarize. When we plant our bulbs, we want to make sure that they're in well-drained soil. We want to also make sure they're in full sun. And usually we're going to plant them in the fall. The one thing I did fail to mention is how deep to plant them. Uh, it can vary from variety to variety. Generally, we want to look at the bulb we're planting, measure it, and whatever that measure is, multiply that by two or three times, and that is the depth we want to go with. So if our uh, bulb is only an inch in height, we want to bury it two to three inches. If the bulb is two inches, that's going to be four to six inches deep. But some of these alliums are so small and dainty, some of those that only get about six inches tall, they're so tiny, um, that they may be about half an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch in, in height. So those can be planted much shallower. Uh, we don't want to force the bulb to be too deep, uh, but we don't want to put it too high. Now, once you put your bulb in at two to three times the height, it's going to be able to shift itself. It's amazing what bulbs can do once they're underground. If they need to be a little higher, they may push higher. If they need to be a little deeper, they may push deeper. Those roots will pull that bulb down. And so it's very, uh, very, very cool to, to see how that happens. But at the same rate, we want to give them the best shot and the information we have, of course, is two to three times the height of the bulb is deep enough uh, for that allium. Now, I would like to talk about some of the varieties of alliums and some of their unique characteristics. Probably one of the most commonly grown but also easy to find allium is called purple sensation. Purple sensation. It comes from the group of alliums called Persian onion. And the Persian onions are generally going to be a purple, uh, purple star-shaped flower with those large masses, globe-shaped flowers on top of those stems. In many cases, the tall alliums, these tall alliums, are going to be about four inches in diameter. Those bloom clusters will be four inches in diameter. And when I say that this uh, purple sensation allium is tall, they can very well be somewhere between 24 inches to 36 inches tall. 
They have thick, sturdy stems, and they need it because you're trying to hold all those flowers up high in the air at 36 inches. Uh, That takes a lot of architecture to do so. And so look for the purple sensation uh, allium. It's got very deep violet flowers, very uniform compared to its cousins, if you will. Uh, They may be a little more expensive than a a no-named cultivar or no-named variety, I should say. Um, But you can, this one pretty much grows all over the country. And so it may not be perfect everywhere, but there's no problem growing it at the North Carolina Botanical Garden in Asheville, where there's just these spectacular combinations of them filled with colorful annuals underneath. And uh, they're both grown in beds and grown in containers. If you don't have a lot of space in your landscape, these bulbs, being very cold hardy, can handle being in a container all year. Because, of course, um, for instance, this purple sensation can handle as cool of a temperature as zone 4. And so if you're growing in zone 6 or zone 7 or zone 8, the winter temperature is not going to be a problem to be in a pot. That would be one great design perspective with allium, is to use alliums in the bottom of a pot. Well, not the very bottom, right? But plant your alliums uh, in a pot. And then after the bulbs have been set, uh, say in the fall, you could put pansies, snapdragons, violas on top of them. And what will happen is you'll have this great succession of blooming. You'll have the pansies that sort of spill over the edge. They're blooming in the winter. Then in in late winter, early spring, pansies are blooming beautifully. Snapdragons are blooming beautifully again. And then as we push into spring, um, beginning of summer, you've got another flower coming right out of the middle. Uh, Those alliums that you planted in the bottom of the pot, we'll say, uh, you planted those first. They are now pushing up last with those globe-shaped flowers. The globe-shaped flower with the um, spike of a snapdragon and the round violet flowers of the pansies, that would be a great combination for any container. And it's long-performing because, of course, all of that's planted in the fall, lasts all winter, and then as we go into the early part of spring, you've got this full flush group of flowers. I have done uh, combinations in the past, never with alliums, but uh, I've done them particularly with tulips where I'll plant tulips in the pot first and then on top of the soil I'll plug in the pansies and uh, snapdragons. And so you've got an ever-changing container now. It looked one way in the fall, another way in winter, and then later in the uh, winter, early part of spring, you've got a third plant rising up above all the others. So you got this succession of planting. It's just a wonderful way to do it. I'm kind of getting off topic, but yes, we do want to think about the purple sensation. Very good plant, very good selection. Let's talk a little bit more about the blue globe onion. I talked about that one earlier when I said that you can get onions that are blooming in a good deep blue. And this Blue globe onion is one of those. It has smaller flowers, maybe one to two inches in diameter. But of course, uh, they are that nearly globe-shaped collection of flowers that looks really good. And they are um, usually 12 to 24 inches tall, so a little shorter than, say, the purple sensation. But that's okay because having those heights and variations is a wonderful thing to do. Sometimes it's going to be difficult to grow because where they come from naturally, 
They like it hot, which we have, but they also need dry conditions to really flourish. So if we stay too wet one summer, um, the blue globe onions may or may not do very well. But just know, we're just starting to show here, that you can get, you can achieve, I should say, different colors. You can achieve different flower forms, and you can achieve different heights on these alliums. So that, of course, is the blue globe and purple sensation. When we get back, I want to talk about the Star of Persia and some of its cousins, if you will, sisters, uh, that are great performers in the South and have some really interesting characteristics. And then later, we're going to talk about the largest allium of them all. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, this morning, something is kind of stinky in the air, and it's the smell of onions. Today, we are talking about ornamental onions. I'm trying to use the word allium for those. So when I say onion, I I mean edible onion. When I say allium, I mean ornamental onion. But here's the way I'd put it. Through the break, I was thinking, allium is the group that all onions fall under. So, in other words, all onions are alliums, but not all alliums are onions. (laughs) That's one way to put it, maybe. Another way to put it is, well, allium and onion are just uh, interchangeable names. But we are talking about those plants that when they flower, they have slender stems, strong, very strong, that rise into the air at certain heights, could be as short as six and inches and could be as tall as 60 inches (laughs) but right at the top of them of those slender stems are going to be a wad a globe shape of of flowers again some of them have different flower forms some dangle and nod over and those are great but I do want to squeeze in a few more varieties that I think you ought to look into Uh, you can make some notes and then look up some pictures later because I know my descriptions won't do them justice but we want to talk a bit about the star of Persia I mentioned to you that I've grown some stars of Persia this year at the at the house and those flowers are going to be large it is one of the largest flowering uh, variety species that we cultivate Uh, some of these can be (laughs) some of these can be a sphere of flowers from 12 10 to 12 inches in diameter they're not super tall they're kind of odd shaped maybe uh, but still gorgeous because they'll be 15 to 24 inches tall depending on the variety you go with so they're not necessarily the tallest onion, uh, ooh, allium, not the tallest allium, but they are probably one of the 
biggest flowers, 10 to 12 inches of flower. That's a lot of flower power. So with that in mind, one particular variety falls in line with um, this Star of Persia. It's actually a hybrid of Star of Persia, but it's called Globe Master. Globe Master, it has one of the largest flowers. And one great aspect about the Star of Persia Globe Master allium is that it works well. All of these work well as, as cut flowers. But Globe Master works well as a dried flower. Most of the Star of Persia's uh, flowers can be dried and not just last for a season, but look good for years. So if you ever go into a hobby shop or craft store, you may see some dried flowers. Uh, and if you see an allium there, it is probably one of the Star of Persia. They're long-lasting as a dried flower. Now, another group of alliums that we want to talk about are small. The, the, the flowers themselves are pretty small. Uh, they're called drumstick alliums or, or drumstick chives. They actually fall into the chive group, but they have a purple flower, which is sort of a two-tone with green. You see, even though these are one of the smallest alliums, they're probably one of the finest alliums for both cut flowers and the garden. They have these three to five hollow uh, cylindrical leaves that look like a bloated chive leaf. If you can imagine the chive leaves being slender, but also hollow, um, the flower heads themselves are about two inches. So one of the smallest alliums that we've talked about today, the smallest allium really we've talked about today, and these two-inch flower heads consist of over uh, 50 to 100 flowers. Remember, each flower head is a cluster of individual flowers. This one has a high density because they're so small. The flowers are so small, they cluster together in large numbers. Now here's the interesting thing uh, about the drumstick allium is that each flower bud starts out as green but as the flower matures the flowers turn purple so you sort of have this duotone flower where the top part starts turning purple the bottom part is still green and that's sort of a phase of its life cycle then of course as the rest of the flowers mature you've got more purple than green but you start out with complete green as those flowers mature you've got half purple half green and then as it matures it's pretty much completely um, completely purple. Now, with these, because they're so small, they, they can be quite tall with their flower spikes, 18 to 36 inches tall. But because they're so slender, the, the stems are, are slender, the foliage is slender, it's a good idea to really double up on these and grow them in, in multiple groupings. So you want to keep each bulb about six inches apart, six inches deep. Uh, but with that in mind, one or two plants is not really that effective. You've got to really group these. I already mentioned that with the alliums, grouping them is going to be most effective. They are going to look better if there's a cluster of flowers blooming at the same time. And this one, for sure, the drumstick allium is one we probably can't have just a small number on. So go ahead and treat yourself to an allium overdose <laughs> and pack them full. Let's see. I've still got the, the allium of all alliums, maybe. The allium of all alliums. The tallest allium 
that we are familiar with is called Gladiator. Now, this is a hybrid. Uh, most likely, this is a hybrid with the uh, group that we called Purple Sensation. Remember the Purple Sensation from the first uh, discussion? Well, that Purple Sensation group was hybridized with another group to produce the Gladiator. And the Gladiator allium, unfortunately, it's one of the few alliums that you can't buy a well, I guess you could buy them, uh, but usually when you go to a bulb company or you find them in the box store and nurseries, there's just one allium bulb where the other alliums are in packages of three or five or more. The Gladiator has a higher ticket price, so each bulb may be pushing four to five dollars, whereas a group of allium bulbs uh, might be per bulb much cheaper. This is just one bulb for about five dollars, give or take. And so you don't always find a group of them, but buy them in a group, buy them in a cluster, buy several of these gladiators because they are a large bulb and the plants rise three to four feet above the ground. So they're going to be nearly, um, well, depending on how tall you are, but they will be just below your head. You can easily look right into the flower. It's right in your face and it can make an impressive statement. The flowers are quite large, probably up to four, six inches in diameter, and that just contrasts well. Having blooms at four feet high, having blooms like the Persian sensation at three feet high, having the star of Persia at two and three feet high, and then having some of the small ones we talked about at six inches high can really do a wonderful job for your presentation. The last one I want to talk about is sort of a... Um, a herbaceous kind. You will find this in the nurseries more often. It's called Millennium, and it's actually in the chive group. Uh, the plants are only about 12 inches tall, and they're about 12 inches wide, but they've got a beautiful uh, pink to purple, rose purple, I should say, rose purple flowers that blooms in late summer. So again, staggering the bloom time, having some early alliums, mid alliums, and something like the Millennium allium, which blooms in late summer, is a wonderful thing uh, to look into in the landscape. Again, folks, with alliums, group them. They look better in groups. Give them well-drained soil, full sun, plant them two to three times their height below the ground. And if they don't rot over winter in wet soil, they will come back year after year. Well, I hope on this first uh first Saturday of the month, first Saturday of the year, I've given you some ideas and inspiration. Grow some alliums. As Eden Rose might say, give, it a go. give growing alliums a go. For New Southern Garden and WRWH, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Sidewalks and Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.